You're listening to The Spirit Hunters, a member of the HyperX Podcast Network. Find out about our pod brethren and how to join our Discord group and support the show at podcast.hyperx.com and patreon.com slash spirithunterpod. Eliminate clutter and embrace the freedom of HyperX wireless gaming gear for PC and console. Power through all the great monthly PlayStation Plus games with the Cloud Stinger Core Wireless for PlayStation. Enjoy lightweight comfort with reliable wireless freedom so you won't miss plot points when you head to the fridge. High-quality HyperX wireless products can be found at most fine retailers, as well as online at Target, Micro Center, Best Buy, Amazon, Walmart, or shop directly at HyperX.com and HP.com. Season 3, Episode 16 of The Spirit Hunters. This is Sarah. Patrick. And Megan. Um, so last time we watched as Gon take out Palm on a quote-unquote date in order to avoid her wrath, while Miriam took over his first country since he's a big boy now. Um, we also covered the trope of the ultimate life form. That's pretty fun. Yeah, it's pretty fun. If you like learning about uh, xenomorphs, um, Dragon Ball Z, inflation. (laughs) Oh my god. You guys talked about inflation Uh, while I was gone? (laughs) Yeah, both. Uh, Not monetary, but I guess a little bit monetary. Yeah, there's some inflation. Oh, are we talking about big cock? (laughs) Uh, Google Google or don't Google Shadow the Hedgehog inflation. Oh my god, no, I'm I'm Googling that. Shadow the Hedgehog inflation? Yeah, it's all about how Shadow the Hedgehog uh, monetary value uh, became abs- ab- absolutely uh, invaluable in the long run after Shadow the Hedgehog in 2005. What? That's fully f- what it is. Wait, wh- is this like a kink? Yes. Yep. Oh, no. Oh, why? Oh, yeah, I think at yeah. some point you have to stop asking why and just start asking when. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That's. Sarah, that's gonna be. I need that on a T-shirt. <laughs> At some point, you gotta stop asking why and start asking when. That is perfect, Sarah. We're, we're gonna we're gonna put on a T-shirt. It's gonna be uh gonna be gonna be a, a picture of um of a uh, Leorio and uh and Krapka embracing in a hug or a kiss, and oh, it's no. just gonna be underneath that in like Times New Roman font, fifty font, I think. Oh man. We're done. We're done. So this week, we're going to cover the struggle um, that's continuing between the Khmer Ants and the Hunters for survival and dominance. And we'll also go over the psychology behind Kilua and his relationships with both family and friends. You better get ready. Pow. All right. So this week, we are covering episode 95, Grudge and Dread. Or Yumari to Sugomi. To Sugomi. There we go. Uh, originally released in Japan on September 8th, 2013. Bad year. The equivalent manga chapters are 21 through 23, which were released in Japan on August 30th, 2004. It's a pretty decent year. It's a, my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh! game came out the year. So, All right, so let's get into those uh, notes, Sarah. Let's, what's going on? What's not going on? What maybe might be going on. Let's see what's going yes. on. So it still is, the episode starts with 
um, the continued fight between Chitu and Knuckle and Morel. And so Chitu's speed, um, the hunters can't keep up with it, and they're getting really beat up. Um, but they still can manage to track him using their eyes with Gil, and they're able to predict his movements and try to land punches. They're just not physically fast enough. Um, Morel, he uses his Nen to create a smoke screen, and then suddenly there's a bunch of like knuckles all around. I was like thinking, oh, what's that one? Because I, I watched Naruto as the dove, so I was like, oh, Shadow Clone Jutsu, but it's like Shadow Clone Knuckles. <laughs> honestly, honestly is, is it weird that I imagine sexy Shadow Clone Knuckles? I feel like maybe that would have been a better distraction. When you said that, I also, because we were talking about Sonic earlier, <laughs> that I, I pictured oh, shadow, yeah. sexy Shadow Clone Knuckles as it like the hedgehog or the echidna yeah like the that's just like just like him posing sexually and just clouds covering his junk or something in his butt that should just be the cover of our of this episode <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be we make the Patrick, we leave it up to you <laughs> i'm not gonna get i'm uh yeah we'll figure it out just uh <laughs> make sure to Create censor it so here. we don't get demonetized i don't know yeah, how censor, we can get demonetized with the clouds <laughs> Yeah, don't worry. I'm not going to have Knuckles' giant wiener <laughs> hanging out during the thing. It's like, hey, check this out, guys. <laughs> oh, man. And so the real Knuckles manages to hit Chitu with a punch and also APR. Um, Chitu is very mad about this. He demands to know what the heck just happened. Um, and Morel, taking advantage of Chitu being blinded by his anger, trips him. And kind of like makes fun. It's like, hi, bro, you're so angry. You can't even pay attention, which is actually true. Um, and the hunters, they managed to hide in the grass um, using Zetsu, um, which confuses Chitu. But Chitu is also in a way a great model for being um, confused but confident. And he's like, whatever, I'm just going to outrun this thing and I'll come back for you later sort of deal. And he tried. Would confused be a good word to describe that? Yes. Well, is that the okay, word? Yeah. No, yeah, that's it. It's like, wait, I was overthinking. <laughs> that is a good way to, that's a good way to put it. Um, so APR is, can be used more for just locking in Nen. It can also be used for tracking. So even if um, Chitu gets too far away from Knuckle, um, he'll still be able to track him. And the only thing is that the interest will stop adding and will only resume once Chitu is within like Knuckle's proximity or radius again. That makes sense. The thing I was confused though is that I wasn't the way that that they depicted it looked like that Knuckles was tracking it with his phone. And my thinking was, is there like a Nen tracking app that you can install that's like, hey, <laughs> keep, you lose your Nen ability, keep track of it with Nen, nen track. A hundred percent Nen can app develop. I think it's a personal thing. Like, <laughs> I'm just imagining Knuckles in like a in like glasses on a computer making an app for that. Yeah, like he makes his own app. Anybody who needs an app for their thing needs to do it themselves. <laughs> he develops it for his exactly. Nen. <laughs> he he's not only the best fighter but the best program in the universe. And the only issue is, like, if people don't accept the requests, so you can't track them. <laughs> but oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, wait a minute, it's why like, you, like, why would is you, it all yeah. for you, but on for me? 
<laughs> yeah, it's 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 like the it's like permissions. Would you would you allow Apple to track your NIN usage and track the track the location of your NIN ability? It's like, wait, what the heck? I don't. Is this apple is this applica applicable to me, or can you just not see those permissions if you don't use NIN? It's a good question though. Yeah. Uh, and so the bolt the pair decide to let another hunter who's more equipped to handle Cheetude, um, since. At the moment, they they are unable to. They're I think they're self aware enough to realize they're in a little bit over their heads at the moment and decide to leave. Um, while Chitu, another far far away, he still can't seem to outrun APR. And also, APR is such like a cute little mascot. I think it reminds me of something, but I can't really put my finger on to what it reminds me of. Kind of gives me road. Maybe it's just me. It kind of gives me Roadrunner vibes. Yeah. Oh. Have you guys been to Todai? Like like the sushi all you can eat buffet? Oh my god, wait, Sarah, wait. I was trying to think of what the sushi buffet I used to go to when I was a kid was. That's in that's in California, right? Um, I went to the one in Las Vegas, but I think they have California they have a California location too. I love Todai. Yeah. I could not remember. I just had a memory of it the other day. I'm so happy you brought it up because <laughs> like I just distinctive memories of of going to Todai when I was a kid. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. Can you explain for Patrick? Unless Patrick, you've been to Todai. I totally been to Todai. I go there every day. No, I've never been to Todai before. <laughs> so I think they have a mascot or something that reminds me. Yeah, of Yeah, that's a yellow yeah. thing with the hand, right? Yeah. So I was like, wait a minute, that reminds me of something, and I think it's like Todai's mascot. Okay, sh so should that be the thumbnail now, or just Todai? Photoshop today saying you're you have accrued interest <laughs> and just have like accrued I know accrued tofu or whatever and just like or like maybe since a buffet it's like you have accrued weight. Oh man, wait, Tony doesn't exist anymore. Oh. oh, it doesn't. They shut it down. Wait, hold on. No, I googled it. it. Looks like it's open. As of 2020, there are no Todai branded restaurants have opened in the United States, but instead many have been rebranded to Makina. Oh. Hey, there's a Todai in 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 Tijuana. If you guys want to drive down the TJ to get some tofu, uh, I'm good. <laughs> and also maybe kidnapped. I mean, I mean that's the risk we take with doing this. It's like we want tofu, but we may or may not be kidnapped. I mean, it's half the fun, right? Yeah, I gotta risk it for the tofu biscuit, the, the dumplings, the dumplings, dumplings. The, the sushi, the sushi roll, <laughs> the sauce serve ice roll. cream. The sauce, yes, the sauce serve ice cream and like the white chocolate chip things. I don't remember what they were, but like they were on top of the cake. Oh yeah. Know. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? They were like white chocolate, chocolate discs. Yeah. Then they would just. I think it. it I think it was like mostly decoration, but the shavings, right? Yes, exactly. And like the the weird it, it was McDonald's soft serve, but it was soft serve <laughs> nonetheless. Oh man. Uh, I don't I feel, remember the I sushi, I just remember the sweets. I guess it's still around Makino, I guess is the thing. Oh, well, I'll uh I I'm actually going to Vegas this uh this uh this September, so maybe I might go down and check it out. Nice. Where are you going? Oh, we'll talk about Vegas another time. Mm -hmm. I love Vegas. If anyone asks, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I just want to see shows mostly. I want to go see uh, the L Beatles Love and maybe oh, a couple of things. Oh, that'd be cool. Okay, that'd be fun. Go, go, Patrick. Drink, drink a shot in all of our honors. That's <laughs> six shots. Six shots. Wow, I can't, I can't see that going bad. Is that all in one sitting or? Uh, yeah, no, a hundred, Patrick. Yes. Yeah. 
It's okay, well, uh, okay, well, we're within six minutes. Like you have one. Minute, six, yeah, one. you. If you can't do six shots in six minutes, who the fuck are you? <laughs> you know what? I I look in my mirror. I wake up every day and I ask myself the same question: <laughs> being so disheveled. Back to back shots is how you get. It works though. Like I did that in college. I don't know if it was six shots in six minutes, but it was something similar. Where I would just do like back to back shots, and then I'd be like, "I'm good for the night. <laughs> I'm good for my entire life, actually." But like, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, yeah, they missed out on the on the on the birthday stuff. Uh, we actually we actually did a bunch of Irish car bombs at the uh, at the restaurant before that. Oh really? That's all. Oh dang! I the things that, that we 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 meant to go to uh, we meant to go to uh, Osaka Steakhouse. Uh huh. But I messed up the reservation and made it in Chandler instead of Gilbert. Oh. So we walked down to uh, we walked down to T uh, uh was it uh, uh, RTO Sullivan's like right down. Right oh yeah across from there uh-huh. and just had irish car bombs instead because that's awesome i wanted to have sake bombs but they didn't have that there you know so. irish car bombs are okay well second happy, wait, best what was your birthday choice. patrick uh, april 9th everybody wished patrick a four month late happy birthday <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know it's it a lot of fun it's a lot of fun i know sarah and hannah are playing the uh finally able to play the azumanga dio uh, uh puzzle bobble game so that was kind of yeah. fun yeah no that's awesome that's awesome was I invited to this? <laughs> yeah, you were. Oh fuck! I, I put it. I put it in the chat. I was like, Oh damn I it! Like, I need to read the chat. I'm sorry. I was like, Patrick. Hey, you guys are. Oh no worries. I was like, Hey, you guys are invited because I can't. I don't have anything else to contact you with besides that. Yeah, that is the only time I. I that's because I don't have Facebook anymore. Um. So like. Yeah, I don't. I don't have your number. Oh uh, what? I don't have your phone number either. I'll give you guys my number just so you guys have it. Yeah, there I don't we think go. I, have, I, I realized I don't have any of your numbers oh, either. Oh yeah. Um. So. <laughs> We might after five years, maybe I should give you guys my number. <laughs> maybe I don't know. The 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 jury's still out if if whether you need to give me your number or not. Yeah, it's, it's the jury's it's, still out if we're all friends or not. It's uh, yeah, I don't I don't know yet. It's it's it's, it's a hard one. sell. I don't know. Well, I'm happy still... belated birthday. I'm so sorry. We're Patrick. If it's I think I think this is almost as bad as if it was just uh, me, you, and Joe, because then mm-hmm. we wouldn't stop talking. Oh, so we yeah. just need to read them. Yeah, so right, let's, let's continue so on. So sorry, we'll continue no worries. Sarah, you're a little chaotic too. Oh, you're yeah. like, yeah, this is fine. <laughs> so sorry. We're we're all guilty of the same. We're crimes. all so guilty uh, of it. To be fair, Sarah, you're the most innocent, but still. <laughs> Oh, Todai. Wait, why did you mention Todai? Oh, because APR reminded me of it. So I am also yeah, there we go. on back. a very <laughs> I'm also on the on the tangent vibe at the moment. It's okay. That's yeah. what that's our that's our thing. So well, now I need to get some sushi after this. All right, let's all go. All right. Sorry. So we are sent to another scene with a very, very different vibe. It's a super dark room and all the hunters are meeting there. Um Shoot explains to Gon and Kilawa that he had to put kite in a cage using his nun ability called hotel transylvania transylvania i was like hotel california no it's hotel Reficia. Reficia. yeah it's it's some weird ability but uh essentially despite all his rage uh kite is still just a rat in a cage <laughs> oh man um and so this ability is basically if shoot manages to injure someone to a certain amount, he can trap the entire um, the person or just a part of that the injured part of the body in this cage. So this explains how um, Kilua's eye vanished and vanished um, during their fight. And shoot warns the boys that Kite isn't like his old self, and he's still super strong, even if he can't use his nun. 
Um, when Kite comes out of the cage, he's actually mini-sized. Um, like, honey, I shrunk my kids. Except when he gets out, he grows up. He grows to his normal size. Honey, I shrunk the Nen user. Honey, I shrunk your mentor. Honey, I shrunk. (laughs) Um, And after some hesitation, Gon, he approaches Kite and doesn't even back away after Kite punches him. Um, He's actually like, oh, this reminds me of the good old times when you first punched me (laughs) and it hurt a lot, (laughs) Kite. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Bring on the tears. <laughs> so, uh, because Gondas can't use his Nen, he can't tell that Kite's actually being controlled. Um, but he can still predict Kite's movements since they're pretty robotic. Um, he, But he's actually letting himself get hit, much to everyone's pity and massive discomfort. It's just like the vibe in the room is not it. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh of in JoJo when uh when uh when uh Wamu just let uh, Joseph just beat Whale on him cuz he messed up. It's like I am dumb. I will let you beat me up because you got you, I made a dumb mistake. Yeah, it's interesting cuz it's almost like it's a guilt thing. Um and Gone as he's being like basically sucker punched repeatedly, he realizes that Kite's punches aren't shouldn't be as weak. Um, and he actually gets pretty sad and mad about it. Um, he hugs Kite, apologizing that it's their fault that he's like this and that he should rest and still take care of the rest. Um, the hug actually manages to stop Kite from attacking, um, but not. I don't, it could be that he's been touched, like, uh, he reached, uh, like, an emotional level, but more like it's on a physical level. He's been programmed to stop whenever someone touches him. Um, But if he's touched a second time, then he'll go into his level two mode where his attacks become even stronger. Yikes. Yeah, that's, uh, actually, I actually missed that, like, both the times I've watched it, I actually missed the whole... Oh, he gets stronger. Uh, he gets stronger if he gets touched because it's like uh, it's like training mode. It's like level two. Now you must fight him, and he could kick your ass severely now. Yeah, uh, I think I missed it the first time too when I watched it. I rewatched it again while taking the notes, and um, luckily she- Knuckles, being the MVP, like <laughs> explains everything. So I was like, oh yeah. So basically, level two mode because he was kite essentially is more or less a zombie that p2 is controlling and used him initially to help train there to train them and you also learn more about nen so i think he's been programmed this way so that way they can have like continuous spars um and knuckles warns them that they'll need some serious advanced fighting skills in order to beat kites level two um because even if kite himself doesn't have Nen, whoever's controlling them does and is super powerful. And an angry yet determined Gon retreats, saying that he'll be the one who's um controlling Kite and will take him on himself. He'll beat he'll beat him so bad. Yep, basically. <laughs> or beat them so bad. He she them, I don't know. <laughs> I think do we settle with like I I mean I think I just instinctually just say them, um but yeah they them they them who's they them P two uh yeah oh yeah P two yeah it's a bit ambiguous mm-hmm. at this point yeah yeah 
Um, yeah, so we switch back over to, it's like either a few days later, um, and there's only one day left until Gon can get his Nen back. Um, the hunters are actually taking a train to the Republic of East Cartel. Um, Nove and Shoot kind of have doubts about Gon's resolve and determination, um, but Morel assures them that Gon will only get serious when he has to. He's been basically saving up all his energy for an enemy that he really hates to release it on, um, which I, th- I find it really interesting because Gon doesn't seem like a very hateful person. And maybe it's it's interesting that he's not just like, oh, I want to take on like the biggest enemy possible, you know, like a typical shonen protagonist. The fact that he's kind of just like not coasting, but biding his time for someone that emotionally really um like really provokes him and especially when it's like something as strong as hate is very interesting to me kind of reminds me of like you know uh kind of reminds me of like all might from my hero where mm-hmm. you know he's always happy and smiling but then when the once the villains i guess spoilers once the villains attack the i can't remember what scene it was there was when the second training thing where he just you see him with a scowl on his face the entire time mm-hmm. It like just shows that you know Gon got pushed way too far, and he just couldn't couldn't be pushed any further because they did something unforgivable, which he admits that that was the case as well, mm. which I think is kind of interesting, really. Yeah, this is interesting. I wonder with a lot of characters, typically who are like protagonists, I think it's always personal. But what level of like is there something also justice that ties into it or fairness? Or is it strictly like, you did me and mine wrong, therefore I hate you? So I wonder if, like, on's more of the latter versus the former sort of thing. Could be. It's it's kind of interesting to think about in that way. Yeah. And so now that they're near the East Cartel border, um, they're eating at a restaurant and watching the news. The anchors explain how the supreme leader um has invited <laughs> all the citizens to the capital to celebrate the founding days it's like this grand multiple day celebration and it's happens every year but the unusual thing is that they're he's literally inviting every single citizen yeah but sus isn't that a thing they do in north korea i think so isn't it like isn't it like um supreme leader's birthday or whatever i mean usually it's like on the local side they don't all they don't all march to pyongyang mm-hmm. to uh oh they have to just celebrate it from their homes but they right. no, i mean i mean like it, it's it's like probably like if you're nearby you could go to it but if you're not like you can just do they probably do like parades in all the cities or whatever mm-hmm. locally so it's that way you don't have to uh travel half travel all the way to Pyongyang, but I could be wrong. I'm not really familiar with the the North Korean traditions and stuff. I just know, I think, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but I I think I heard about something similar (laughs) where, like, I guess we have it too in the States, right? We have, like, Independence Day or (laughs) whatever, yeah. But we don't all go to the same place, yeah. A lot of people do, but... 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes people march, march, a group of people march on, like, maybe a capital or something <laughs> at the same time. Oh, yeah, that, oh, yeah, it's January 6th, uh, is the, is the founding day. <laughs> that's the real founding day. Exactly, <laughs> that's, that's when the real presidential election happens. Anyways, but. God. <laughs> so, Morel, he explains that Colt has this theory that this celebration is actually very, very suspicious. Um, it's, it actually will be used as this screening um, process. So basically sorting the human population for the ants um, between regular humans and the quote unquote rare humans. They're unsure about what they'll do to the humans with the nuns specifically, but everyone who's going is pretty much doomed to die um, if it actually happens. Pretty much. The vibe I got from this is that it's pretty much going to be, oh yeah, we're going to eat all the rare humans and maybe like they'll give them to, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Murum, and the rest of them will get eaten by the rest of the the uh, the uh, the uh, ants. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Not... Good or sustainable. <laughs> and all, honestly, they haven't really said how or they're going to breed anymore because we have to take note that the, the only person that was able to birth them is kind of dead. Yeah, I was thinking more on the human side. <laughs> like, if you eat all the humans, does that mean they'll just oh, expand? Yeah, uh, I guess. I mean, they could always like make farms, like you know, like Minecraft, just yeah. like put them in the put them in like the cages, like give them like the the food, and then they breed or whatever. I'm fairly sure that's how it happens. I, I don't know. I didn't take sex ed, so I, I think that's how reproduction happens, right? Yes, Patrick, and you <laughs> should continue to believe that. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, it, oh, man. Because now that I think about it, I don't think that soldier ants have to eat, per se, but they've been wanting to eat because they saw the queen was eating them. So, yeah, it's... They want, they want to turn at the good stuff. Yeah. So it's not looking good for humankind at the moment. Um, but Nitro, he's determined to stop it. He's actually already in um, East Cartel, and he told them to assume that he's dead if he doesn't contact them by that day. And just then, he texts them, telling them to split into three pairs in order to lure out the royal guards away from the king um, the night before the rally. Yeah, it was kind of creepy the way he did. It was like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm listening. I'm listening to you and stuff. Yeah, it's like the man with the satellite ears or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like it's like don't mind me, just snooping. Yeah, I was like, oh man, don't mind me, just watching. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was like surprised that he sent a text instead of a voicemail. <laughs> I mean, he he he's new age. I think he's down with what the cool kids are doing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You just and, and you added like a few more emojis and a gif. <laughs> yeah, he added he added the the the, uh, the was it the the um the uh, the uh, not the cucumber the other one the eggplant, <laughs> the, eggplant. the water emojis <laughs> the the tongue ones. He's it's like he's like hey fam come at the hey fam uh split up in this way and we're gonna be we we're gonna get this bread <laughs> and it's like a bunch of eggplant emojis. It was really weird, but anyways, <laughs> I, I guess I, seriously though, I think. Uh, Honestly, I think in this this reality, it's like been uh, like this. I guess era, it's kind of a norm to be texting and stuff, and people using that because the the technology's supposedly been around for years, I believe. Because it's more of a technologically, I, I guess. Uh, it's a mixed. Right. 
It's because, yeah. like, they have cars that looks like the 90s or 2000s and, like, York knew, but then, like, Gon never had a cell phone. So I guess maybe he's just more rural. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. Cause, and it's, it's like, the, the idea that this is, like, a futuristic uh, futuristic time for them, right? Yeah. Then again, they, like, oh, I don't know if it's, what do you mean, what's a futuristic time? Like. Just, like, it's in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, like cell phones have been around for decades or years and years yeah. and decades at this point. I never really thought about the timeline in relation to our world of Hunter. Yeah, at least that's what I believe because they have a lot of technologically uh, advanced stuff, but also technologically not advanced stuff. I would, I guess, I would say that like it's not that it's in a timeline that we would comprehend, right? Like, does that? I don't know. I think you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's not like it's. I think it could our world. There's no equivalent to our world. I guess. Yeah, I would. For me, it kind of reminds me if. I think timeline-wise, maybe it would be similar to our world, but even more differences between, like, technological advances between different countries, because, like, the G... Is G... I forgot now. Is it GTA or GTL? Or GTS? <laughs> the country's name? Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 which country? The one that where the ants were, disco- um, were discovered first. That we are the uh, NGL. N- oh man, completely different. The NGL. Um, so I think it maybe it's pretty modern in the sense that be comparable our world, but how the how like widespread that tech is between all the countries is not as um widespread as ours is. So there's like clear differences in what people have available to them depending on where they're from um so at least that's how i yeah read it. It, it is it is yeah it is interesting how like like it's a good point how there's so many different variations that, and i think megan also brought that up where it's like you know places like we're, we're gone it's like what's a cell phone what's this and that and it's like he's so rural and sort of out there and then ngl of course they're they're obviously they're like pur- purposefully you know uh technologically ignorant and like, st- and then there's stuff like you know, uh, uh, York, New City, or uh, some of these other more advanced areas that are all about te- technology and stuff of that nature. So it's an interesting blend and mix in a way, and it's kind of, it's almost like an ideal future in a way where it's like you can if you want, but and you can succeed and live a normal life, or you, if you want to, you can. Let's. It's not like a, oh, if you don't do it, you're going to be at a disadvantage. And I, I guess in a way, Hunter like living in the NGL probably <laughs> would be. Uh, a bit of a disadvantage but i mean I don't, I don't know yeah no that's interesting to think about maybe that's why the world of hunter hunter is so fascinating um because it is so similar but also completely different from what we're used to uh yeah so let's see where we left off so it's now midnight and gone now has his nen back um but Despite Moral actually approving of Gon, he still wants to test his resolve. Um, he, Gon, Moral tells Gon to attack him and not hold back like he's facing off Pitu. And if his attacks aren't strong enough, he'll be replaced by another hunter. And Gon, um, he he gets ready and remembers all the horror he felt during kite and pt's fight his eyes go blank and he powers up an extra powerful um jaja ken and it's 
so um it's enough to make everyone tremble in fear especially morel um Kiwa stops gone before he can attack um realizing that oh man this is not good <laughs> this ain't the vibe <laughs> not the vibes we're looking for today yeah. And Ghani's like, oh, sorry, dude. Sorry, Mr. Morell. I was about to kill you. Hey, you know, he asked for it. I mean, that's true. Like, he's like, act like you're going to kill me. Like, I, I did what, what uh, happened to Kai. It's like, okay, gets so dark. It's like, oh, God, he's going to kill him. I was like, uh, how about we not? Uh, actually, maybe I fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I love, I, I remember watching that scene. I was like, damn. <laughs> The first time I watched it, I was like, fuck, gone? Like, Jesus. I know. Like, it's like, it's so interesting to see the actual transition from his eyes go blank. It's like, you know, it's because most the time, um, the, especially in anime, usually like protagonists will always have like, even if it's on brightly colored eyes, they always have the iris and the pupil that makes them look super shiny. So the moment it goes blank, you know, that shit's going to go down because <laughs> it's not yeah. normal. <laughs> Yeah, I think usually we see that with Gon when he's, like, doing, is it Zetsu, where he's trying to, like, hide his presence or whatever, right? But, like, I think this version is, like, is it Zetsu? I don't remember. But, like, this version of him is, like, just pure unbridled rage. <laughs> Which, like, if you were a manga reader, it makes sense, right? Because you know that, like, Kite's, a, Kite's grown up with him, right? Like, he raised him mm -hmm. kind of as, like, a second, like, a first dad, yeah. really. Yeah because his dad's not around like a second mom i guess is kite um but like for us it's like yeah i'm, I'm i get why you're upset but also why yeah. are you upset <laughs> another thing is that, is that i i get i guess kite is but it's like kite's only been around for like what like a four couple episodes. like a, like a couple like maybe a couple weeks at best it's like this guy's my best friend now and now he is dead yeah. yeah and like we saw in greed island mm -hmm. where he spent a lot of time with other people yeah and like they treated him really really well the same way kite did um and like gone was like yeah it's the game and like forgives the killers no problem <laughs> like it's it's, it's it's like people it's like was it people die when they're killed or whatever yeah it's like happens yeah it's like it's not a big deal happens, you know? yeah it's, it's all a part of this game they died in honor but like and like i get it makes sense like i i would be like, it makes sense for Gon's character to be, like, really attached to Kite, but it also, I think if you're just an anime watcher, um, and, like, you think about it for a little too long, like, you're like, hmm, <laughs> it is, why are yeah. you that upset? Right. <laughs> it is confusing, because it's, yeah. you're, yeah, as you mentioned, so, he had so many mentors that spent significant time with him, and probably were even, I mean, uh, you don't have to be nice and like yeah. super nice it to uh -huh. gain Gon's respect and bond because Visky right. wasn't especially nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was... But like it was definitely yeah. a mentor. Yeah. Or definitely was... someone he cared for right. more than like uh Tetsugera. Yeah. But like <laughs> Yeah, I think the anime maybe they thought like, oh no, we can't have filler but they really did a disservice by not showing like Kite's connection with Gone earlier, yeah, like right in the beginning yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I just, I just, like I said, I, I just agree though. It's, it's kind of weird that he's, like, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna let this killer go, and you know, it's, it's just a game, like, and stuff like that. But this is like, oh, I gotta kill him for sure. And then there's like, because there's an argument to me of like, oh, it's two different situations where you know, and and the game, it's like they signed up, to, it signed up for that, and they knew what they were going into. 
Mm-hmm. But it's like you can make that same argument for hunt the hunters where it's like, well, yeah, they're hunters. That's what they do is yeah. fear situations. They get killed all the time. So it's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think I think like as an anime watcher mm-hmm. at first, like I didn't notice it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until like the third time I was like, uh-huh, wait, did they really spend that much time with Kite? I love Kite. Like, I didn't want him to die either. But like, did they spend that much time with him? Like, like I think we got what three episodes? Yeah, with Kite or something like that. I think a little so. bit, yeah. Cause, more, more. Because he died like like halfway through. Like I don't know. It seemed like he. There was a couple more because it's like he died halfway through the that 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 uh that arc thing mm-hmm. before yeah. like this. It's like because right. like we got we got the the meeting him off. We got them shooting the ants. We had uh had him doing that fight cl- the Fight Club thing yeah. in the cave. Uh, bringing him to there. I think it's about six or seven episodes. I think. Yeah. So he, I mean, we spend a good amount of time with Kite, and like we know he's important, mm-hmm. right? It to gone, and like that's how things yeah. work, right? You're not always gonna have, even if you spend like every single day with someone like at work, mm-hmm. you maybe not have the same attachment to right. the, like someone like you spend all time. But I don't know. Right. It's in, it's interesting if you take your take a step back and be like, wait, how much time did we spend with this person? <laughs> Versus like how much how much weight they're giving the death, right? Yeah, and I, I think maybe it's like trying to show that maybe even if you don't send a significant amount of time, like no matter how short or long it is, yeah, if they make that's true. a big impression on you, that could that almost that's matters actually true. more. And I think Gone, yeah. it's like Kai has made a significant impression on Gone. I think his connection oh, sure. with his dad, but also like. I think the first time that Gon Kiwa have been put in like such like the deep end in terms of like what it means to be a hunter and mm-hmm. p- kite pushing them to be more independent in a sense probably has impacted what Gon thinks of him. I don't know. Yeah. Compared no, to that makes sense. Yeah. I think I think I vibe with that more, honestly. Just like whatever what you just said makes sense. So yeah. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. So that's my little, but I still think it, it, it's that's a lot of assumption on like my end, the audience end. They could have really done <laughs> those uh, flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could we could have used a couple flashbacks. Twenty eleven. Like, yeah. We could have used a little bit more time with Kite. Like no. I don't care if it was filler. I wanted more. I think a lot of people wanted more time with Kite. Yeah. I mean, it's they, they want more time to fly that kite, you know. Yeah, before yeah, he dies, like yeah. I still want him dead, but like <laughs> for the sake of the story, right. but like at the same time. <laughs> it actually makes me wonder: Do you think? Do you think? Do you think uh, Gon would have reacted the way he did if Kite was just they just found him dead versus you know, you know, a puppet that's like a mockery? Maybe that set him I off a think, bit. No, I'm thinking. I about. think you're right because like the, it's one thing for him to just die; it's another thing. Well, one, I think Gon looked up to him, so, like, I think he'd still be mm-hmm. pretty, pretty devastated. But, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, because he was so strong in Gon's eyes that, like, making him a puppet and, like, exactly making a mockery would have, like, probably – is probably the thing mm-hmm. that made him more angry than anything right. else. Right? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's true. Especially since Gon seems like the person who, above all else, like – prioritizes having like that sense of self like you know people uh-huh. are people know who should know who they are and nothing should be able to like 
change that. Um, at mm-hmm. least anything should force that change. And since P2 basically turned Kite into like a shadow of himself to gone, that's probably one of the worst things he could do. It's like a fate worse than death. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Huh. Great discussion, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. And yeah, so there's not much left of the episode. Basically, the team decide that they're ready to follow with Netro's plan and decide which ones um, will take on each royal guard. So as requested, it'll be Gon and Kilua versus Neferpitsu, and then it'll be Nove and Morel versus Shiapuf, and there'll be Knucker, Knuckle and Shoot against Men through through Yopi. Got it. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Nice. Yep. That was a that was a good episode. Yeah. It was yeah. a lot happening in that one. So that was a good one. Um what happened in the manga, Patrick? Honestly, it pretty much was one to one, uh, but we got a nice little uh nice little uh uh nice little uh, occurrence of uh, shithouse art, so very bad doodles. And then we get to the next chapter, really, really good art. So, honestly, I don't know if it's because my source, uh, like, it, they use different uh, different versions of it, like, jumping between the manga and the actual Shonen Jump version. Yeah, it looks almost Sorry. like it. I, would, I yeah, assume. So, yeah, so it's a... Uh, but yeah, uh, the only really difference, uh, I really like the depiction of how the Escorto's leader is being controlled with the puppet. I think that depiction's kind of a little bit cooler, in my opinion. Yeah. But uh, bes- besides that, it's uh, all good. Uh, pretty much just, pretty much one-to-one, pretty much. Didn't really see anything that jumped out at me, at least. But uh, I guess, was there any that's this episode? I can't remember. Mm, no, I don't think so. I think they talked about the news, talk about the deaths of like the random people in the country. But aside from that, nothing on screen. Um, yeah, they didn't really kill anybody actually this episode yeah. besides those people off screen. So uh, I guess just one out of ten for the people off screen because I just wanted to see it. <laughs> so there you go. There's your rating. Yeah. So what did you guys think of it overall? Uh, did you want to go first, Megan? Yeah, I'll go first. I I think overall I like this episode. Um like I think it was more set up than anything, I feel like. Um the thing that like I always wipes my memory for this episode is that like last bit <laughs> of of the thing where Gon's like, Oh, whoops. Like, thought it was gonna kill you. I mean, and like that was the climax of it, right? Like that was like the big moment, even though there was like a fight with Chi Two and we set up like he has APR, he's running, like, blah, blah, blah. Um, it really is <laughs> that yeah. bit um, where um, he sees Kite, like, that whole thing. Uh, it, it's it's just, I think this is the moment we really realize he's being controlled, right? Like, there's no, it's not like he's there at all. It's like he's really, really dead. I know we saw his head. Uh, <laughs> Like in P2's arms, but like um, he's like, dead. Got the head. He's got. He's dead. He's got he's, head. He's like he's. He's but full it's back lead. on his body. Like I don't know. I I did enjoy this episode, um, and I enjoy watching it every time. Um, that little first bit with AP. I still get confused with APR. I had to look it up again on how APR works. <laughs> it's 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 like a King every Crimson's time. ability. You just don't know how it works. Yeah. 
I like they explain it to us. I just I always forget. Um, yeah, it was a bit complicated though. It's like yeah. you gain interest for what I give you, and then you gain interest on that, but you can also take it back. But also, I can give you more. Yeah. But you can also give that back, and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck is this? I I, I do find it kind of ironic though that you, that it's hard for you to understand. But that's oh. I won't say anything more about that. Um. So I guess what I thought I thought it was also a good episode for setting up things. So definitely one of those transition episodes which i felt like is what we kind of had covered for the last two also um kind of slowing things down but also showing that things are about to get serious soon um so i i liked it it was nice to see that even though the hunters compared to the ants are still outpowered um in terms of like men and uh like physical strength there's still ways for humans to kind of either get the upper hand whether it's either through um just out tricking them or just pure resilience and i also liked that it showed the east cartel and like the whole puppet um control i thought that was really interesting um and yeah, definitely with the reunion with Kite and Gone really hit hard. It was very emotional. I was like tearing up <laughs> a little bit. A little bit tears, a little, little tears little here and there. Tears here and there. Yeah. So I thought, even though it was definitely like a a a slower episode, I still thought there was a lot of really interesting and cool stuff happening. So I thought it was a good one. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it too. I think, uh, like I said, I think, uh, I think now I'm thinking about it now. I think the episode is a little bit hits a little bit more because it's like I'm realizing maybe it was just more than you know, kite just I guess quote unquote not being there. It's just like the whole thing and this the emotional toll it had on Gone to the point where he feels mega guilty of it. And I think that guilt's killing him on the inside in reality. It just is really interesting. And that was a really good episode, so I definitely like it. All right. So uh, before we move on to the second part, I want to hear another word from our compatriots and benefactors. Previously on Chat of the Wild. Did anyone kid all the bugs for Agatha? No, No. I meant to. And I even had a bug that I, like, could have given back to her and I forgot. That bug is gone. Don't go in there if, if you do and then not give it to her. I know. She can smell it on you. She knows. I know you have both. I know you're holding out on me. <laughs> I can smell it. <laughs> Did anyone get um, all the pose? No. No, God, no. Chat of the Wild. Breaking down Zelda and Zelda-like games, one dungeon at a time. Wednesdays on the HyperX Podcast Network. Hey, Joe, Brandon, do you want to review everything? No, yes. no, 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 no. Hang on. That sounds like a lot of work. It's not. What do you mean? Yeah, it's not. Podfred Review, a podcast where we review everything and anything and get lost along the way. Find this podcast and more on the HyperX Podcast Network. 
room for huge plays with the HyperX Alloy Origin 65 Mechanical Gaming Keyboard and the Pulsefire Haste Wireless Mouse. The Alloy Origin 65 has a functionality compact form factor, keeping the arrow keys without the numpad and function keys. The Pulsefire Haste is the lightest wireless mouse from HyperX, featuring a robust connection up to 100 hours of battery life and is even water resistant. The Alloy Hoi toy to toy. The Alloy Origin 65 and Pulsefire Haste Wireless keep your setup clean and cluster free with the Alloy Origin 65 mechanical keyboard and the Pulsefire Haste Wireless mouse. Well, we'll hop into research now, right, Sarah? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to start, or I could start. It doesn't matter. Okay. I'll start off with um, Patrick's, or not Patrick, Joe's, because so Joe wrote these notes. Yes. Um, so I'm going to read this. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just saying yes. I was going to... I'm going to... Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read this verbatim. So picture Joe um, and not me. <laughs> um, but I'm reading this verbatim. So returning to last episode, I, Joe Spiro, Joe, him, Joe Spiro, <laughs> wanted to discuss psychology, psychological dimensions of Killua's relationships both to his family and more generally. A summary of last week's episode was written on the Hunter x Hunter fandom page is divided between fleeing and protecting Gon, Killua realizes that he is under control and one of Illumi's un- is under the control of one of Illumi's needles. He easily kills Ramit after breaking free from it. Last week we talked about how the needle was both literally and both literal and clear metaphor for psychological trauma and mechanisms of control enforced upon Kilua through a mix of training and abuse. Today we delve into the psychological and sociological theory that seeks to explain the system of behaviors and attitudes demonstrated in this. This theory is called codependency. Codependency was in quotes. Um, Just to note, Joe wrote this and wants to clarify that he has had some experience and struggle with it in his past. This is therefore not written by someone who has just read about this idly and in theory, but has lived a bit of it and sought treatment for things related to it. His symptoms and experiences were mild compared to much of the more sensationalized stuff written about it, including what is shown in Hunter x Hunter. But if this sounds, if this sounds like something you've experienced, please listen to the whole thing and consider getting evaluated for therapy or at least read upon it, journal and get in touch with your feelings. A better life is possible and you deserve it. Oh, that's really sweet. Thanks, Joe. Um, yeah, yeah, get the help you need, guys. Anyway, from Wikipedia, quote, in, psycho- in sociology, codependency is a theory that attempts to explain imbalanced relationships where one person enables another person's self-destructive tendencies, such as addiction, poor mental health, immaturity, irresponsibility, or underachievement, and or undermines the person's relationship. Definitions of codependency vary, but typically, but typically include high self-sacrifice, a focus on others' needs, suppression of one's own emotions, and attempts to control or fix other people's problems. Does that sound familiar? Hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> something, not in Joe's life, but like specifically he, he, in Hunter Hunter. Yeah, it's uh, very much uh, lines up with Kiloa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so... Codependency is often thought of less as a casual agent and more of a, as a symptom of other phenomena and 
as such is not in the DSM, aka the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual for Mental Disorders. It is a subclinical, situational, and or episodic behavior condition. Um, It is a phenomenon related to and sometimes overlapping with dependent personality disorder. Um, Finally, while codependency is often thought to be romantic a romantic relationship issue it's much broader than that and can affect a family friend co-worker and other relationships um so again that codependency part is um you know it's not just romantic right so i know we we do use it a lot like colloquially as like oh mm-hmm. like you guys are codependent or um blah 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 and usually we talk about like relationships oh my god like romantic relationships um mm-hmm. but obviously in the case of Kilawa <laughs> and um and his brother Lumi uh they are not in a romantic relationship um but can still be for, considered for as far as we know yeah oh. and then in, <laughs> no Patrick <laughs> and in, I guess but like ugh, I mean he does hang out with a weird crowd, Illumi. Um, yeah. But, like, it's not something I don't think... I think what this was saying, it's not in the DSM, which I don't think means you can technically diagnose codependency, right? Like, right. it's a situational... It's something you can still work through, but I don't think it's technically yeah. diagnosable, right? Is that what it's saying? I think it's, like, saying how even though codependency in itself is its own um it its own behavior um and also mm-hmm. its own there's obviously some sort of like come like a like body chemistry that goes into it and also other like mental and like psychological and emotional factors mm-hmm. but it's not something that can be in its own diagnosis it always comes up like once a a symptom per se but it's always associated with something else that makes That's sense. Like so, a, like more broader, bigger, okay, um, diagnosis. I guess in like an in like another way. So, like it's like a symptom or something that happens. So, like in attention, yeah, could be related to ADHD, but it could also be related to anxiety or something like that, right? Like right, inattentivity exactly. in itself is not the diagnosis. It's, right. It's like it, a thing that happens, <laughs> right? It's like one uh-huh. of the things that manifests from having like one of these, um, like from having like a certain like mental health issue or mm-hmm. specific diagnosis. Hmm. Oh, the way I see it, yeah, that's cool. Right, like, um, that's not cool, but like interesting. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. <laughs> so, can you go into the history of it, Patrick? Certainly. So, before being formalized as an idea under its current name, the symptoms may have been described by a German psychoanalyst named Karen Horney. Listen, seriously, that's that's her name. This isn't a joke. I didn't make it up. Her name's Karen Horney. So, uh, actually, I wonder. I wonder if she if Wait. she had a JLB Horney joke. But anyways, uh, that Horn- was a uh, Horney. We'll say Horney. Horney. <laughs> Horney. Horney jail. It, it's it's like crystal, right? You say it. Like uh, it's crystal. not crystal. It's crystal. <laughs> Horney. Crystal, yeah. Exactly. I don't get, I'm sure she actually she probably pronounced her name Horny, but um, we'll say Hornay just to Horne. ease our. These are giggles, but these are giggles. That was, but that was in 1941. She described it as moving towards a personality style. Dot dot dot. Essentially, these people move towards others by gaining their approval and affection, and subconsciously control them through their dependent style. They are unselfish, virtuous, martyr-like, faithful, 
and turn the other cheek despite personal humiliations. My man, does that sound familiar in my case? Uh, approval for others is more important than respecting themselves. Man, is this like, this is like uh, psychoanalyzing myself. Did you guys like set this up? Is this like a, a thing? Yeah. Seems so like, like this is a lot of me in there. It sounds, yeah. Just know that like she isn't saying this as a positive or negative, right? Like this yeah. can be bad for people, right? I right. think. And this could be good for people, but like it's not necessarily something that's. Um, because some of the, some of the things sound good, right? Like faithful and like mm-hmm. um, yeah. unselfish and virtuous and martyr like. But like, I don't think these are intended. Just keep in mind, I don't think these are intended to be like positive or negative, right? This neutral it, it just, as yeah. it's telling it like it is, yeah. like you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but the the modern term though arose outside academia and stalled in Alcoholics Anonymous based on the realization that alcoholism was not solely about the addict, but the addict, but also the family and friends who constitute a network for the alcoholic. The term codependent is used to describe how family members and friends might actually interfere with recovery by overhelping. Mm. I never thought of it that way. Like maybe they overhelp and overwhelm the person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's an interesting way so to like, think about it. So by like, and like you, people, so I, I don't know if this is part of codependency, but like I know I know uh, parents, for instance, have a, a habit of, like, being like, well, I gave up everything for you, so therefore... Um, you owe me. You owe me, right? right? Like, I think that's probably a part of this, like, martyrdom, like, unselfishness, where, like, there is still that human element of, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give up everything for you, and in turn... Um, you know what I mean? Like, I right. I just... It, it's a whole It's a whole thing. That might be something different. That might be a different thing. I'm not a psychologist. Yeah. No, it's interesting the history because I didn't realize Mm -hmm. it was related to alcohol anonymous. Um, Mm -hmm. I wonder that's like also a factor why they have like also like Al Anon and then other different types of like uh, addict anonymous organizations always have something that's for the family. So I wonder if they also cover like how to avoid being codependent or discussing like those patterns that usually tie into like the dynamics that go into like addicts and codependency toxicity and hopefully healing for everyone going forward so i find that pretty yeah i find that really interesting yeah and it's kind of interesting because the way that's described seems like it's a two-way sort of issue and and from two different spectrums for the alcoholics anonymous like it's like you have the people that enable them or like maybe family mm-hmm. enable them that you know feel pressured mm-hmm. but you also have people that overreact to stop people to do it and it's like yeah. a double edge sword where it's like both sides of the spectrum are hurting your ability to stay sober and it's it's interesting to think of it that way and i'm not sure if that's exactly what they're going for with this but i, I just think it's an interesting thing to talk to uh to really bring up at least to me but anyways, did you want to talk about the uh, the critical theory, uh, uh, Sarah? Yeah. So in 1987, a psychiatrist named Timon Simic, Simark. Nope, that's not how to pronounce the last name. Sim- it's Simac, I think. Simac. <laughs> he or she. I'm not sure what that name is. It. it I, well, they, they, they propose including uh, codependency in the DSM-3 with the criteria below. Um, after each list, um, they basically will 
the symptoms may sound very similar to our boy Kilawa. Um, so number one being continued investment of self-esteem in the ability to control oneself and others in the face of serious adverse consequences. Um, the oh, I just realized we're talking about codependency in terms of, so sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but like Kilawa and Gon, not Kilawa and Illumi, which well, like, I think it's are we, a little we bit both? of both. I okay. think it's both because the way that it seems like Kilawa's many of Kilo's relationships are mm-hmm. codependent. Like Illumi's mm. Illumi and Gon are definitely the two most right um prominent. But you can mm-hmm. just like see kind of with his mom um yeah. a little bit for sure. Um yeah. but definitely Illumi and Gon in different ways. Yeah. yeah, like they're opposite ends of that spectrum, yeah. right? Where like one is probably seen as a little bit healthier while the other is <laughs> much more controlling right, right? but at bit. the same time like Gon reciprocates those feelings to Killua but like not on the same level and I think that's what the codependency is that what the codependency is right like I, I Killua's like so. so self-sacrificing like he will literally lay down his head for Gon and maybe he, yeah. Gon would do the same but it's still a little concerning <laughs> right right um so the next one is assumption of responsibility for meeting others' needs um, to the exclusion of acknowledging one's own. Um, so, yeah, this is like kind of go back to the whole dodgeball. Um, the hand scene, thing, right? Yeah, when he injured his hand um, in order to help Gon um, during that fight back in Great Island. Um, there's also anxiety and border boundary distortions related to intimacy in separation um so joe noted that kilua is terrified of separating from gone and fights it with self reckless self-sacrifice as well as enabling gone's own sacrifice i think yeah. it's gotten a little bit better on it at least at least since at least from the from the whole uh kite situation so i think kilua is slowly realizing that he can't let gone self-sacrifice in that way but yeah. i i just like Actually, no. I, I think I misread it. So, where it's 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 enabling Gon's own sacrifice because he's like he's like looking at Kilo as a role model to do this the sacrifice. But it's like, oh wait, am I enabling him to? Well, I don't think it's a I'm role at? model per se. I think because Kilua is letting Gon do whatever Gon wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. And if that yeah. includes self sacrifice, he's allowing the self sacrifice to happen by not intervening you know what i mean like he would he's laying down his life so gon can lay down his own life um because gon wants to do that versus theoretically being like okay look like what bisky does right it's like hey guys like can we talk (laughs) about this (laughs) right (laughs) right. like there's no you're no use to anybody if you or like what kite i think kite did this right it was like you will die and like Kilo, you're right Kilo does intervene right in order to save gon he, he like Kilua literally picks going up and runs. Yeah. And, at a point. Yeah. And I think he's also, like, even with this episode we watched, I think he is starting to realize that maybe he shouldn't, um, like, Gon's tendency to be reckless. I mean, even though I think Gon, when he was, pro- when he, at the end of the episode that we just watched, when he was, like, about to attack Morel, 
I don't think he was really any danger to sacrifice himself, but on some mm-hmm. level, he will realize like this isn't good necessarily for Gon, so that's yeah. why he stopped it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's true. We can definitely see the more self-sacrificing portion mm. when he Gon and Palm went on the date, though. I oh think. yeah. He's like, oh, I, think... I can't stay. Gotta go. Yeah. Even why the heck are you listening to Visky? Like, she ain't yeah. your mom. Yeah, yeah, she ain't your mama. Um, but yeah, like, I think those anxiety <laughs> boundary distortions relative to intimacy and separation, like, like, like I think part of it was because Kilo recognized uh, Palm as a little cuckoo nutso yep. um, for like trying to date a child, uh, whatever. But uh, like, and he's like rightfully creeped out. But also, I think it also reads as. Kilua is anxious to be separated from Gon. Um, I know he's like he has the APR or like he can't use Nen for 30 days, but still I think I think the separation from Gon is like anxiety inducing for Kilua. And um pretty I, much I also don't think he likes having anybody else close to Gon the same way he is or in a, a similar capacity. He's You're like, right. Don't touch he my boy. Yeah. You're right. And I think it's good that they show like the apr and the date with yeah. palm both mm-hmm. being like situations were gone can at least keep on kilo's side it perceives like there's some sort of like offness or danger i think that's a good author choice by togashi because in a way it kind of like rational it shows like a legit reason why and a legit representation of like probably anxiety of people who have codependency um, or struggle with it, probably what they feel um, with the ones that they care about and have those feelings towards. Um, and then, but in Hunter Hunter, they just show it in a way that it makes a more, I guess, like a more concrete reason, but shows like the emotions that are tied with it. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. No. And I like, and I love that, like, when we talk about this, right? We we all know that this is probably not specifically Tagashi's intent, right? Like yeah. to be like, I'm gonna showcase codependency, but like that he wrote out full flesh characters that like that we can attach these things to, yeah. like because they're full fuller people than just like I want to fight, yay. <laughs> <laughs> So next one is enmeshment in relationships with personality disordered, chemically dependent, or other codependent or impulse disordered individuals. So this is more on Kilua's family, like Illumi and his parents, um, feeling completely enmeshed with Kilua, coming from like basically dictating everything that Kilua has done in his life. Even when he left home, Illumi was still controlling him with his uh, pins. So I think that's like probably the biggest example of that part. Um, and then three of the more or more of the following. So excessive reliance on denial, constriction of emotions with or without dramatic outbursts. Um, so we can... This was imposed on Kilua, um, as Joe noted, but this is much, so much more of this in your average codependent person is imposed or taught. Is that? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure in terms of like, in terms of constriction of emotions or mm-hmm. I guess with or without dramatic outbursts, I guess. I don't know. I, I used to maybe like embarrassment and stuff like that. Like, I think, I think kilua has been relatively open with some emotions, but he does seem pretty closed in terms of like, Showing his embarrassment or being embarrassed about like certain things or yeah, like affection yeah. at least. So I guess I could see that. 
Yeah. yeah. I think everything we know about him is, like, self-monologued, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't outwardly tell Golan, hey, you're important to me, and, like, this, this yeah. and that. Or, like, he doesn't confide in, like, Bisky, like, a, a right. trusted adult, right? Like, he's, yeah. it's, like, it's because we can literally read his mind that we know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, I'm going to be honest, I think, I think Bisky's just a borderline trusted adult in quotation, quotations alone. I think for them, she would be considered a trusted adult, right? Like... Uh, that's she, fair you know you know what i mean like she, she's somebody they can rely on like right. weighing her um netero possibly maybe joe has some arguments against some of these people but like <laughs> i think at kite i guess um mm-hmm. i think in their in their weird <laughs> world the, right like yeah. Bisky is a trusted adult <laughs> like, she's immature what, for I... sure but like I yeah. think she really does have their, but I don't know if Netero does. But like, I know, I think, I think Bisky and Wing do have their best interests at heart. To down. be fair, Netero doesn't really have time to do that. I mean, he yes, he kind of is, but it's like he's got yeah. a whole organization yeah. to run. Yeah, he's like not really like he's there and like he finds them amusing, but like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if he's yeah. like really involved in their lives the same way um, the other two are or the other three are. Yeah. Yeah, because he kind of sent them to, like, put their lives on the line for all this stuff. Not only the Hunter exam, but just, like, in general. Yeah, and I think that's a little... I think that's more, like, showing that Charles a little less sentimental in the sense that he has... He has, like, stuff to take care of, so I think he's thinking less of them as children and more of them as, like, hunters of their own right. Which you can argue, is that good or is that bad? But I think for our, as like a lot of the characters, it is what it is. Um, so let's see. Next one is depression, um, which we can see in pretty much half of Kilua's recent monologues. Um, hypervigilance. And I mean, Kilua is an assassin, so it's a given that he's constantly watching his back. Um, again, oh, I don't know. Again, this was inoculated inoculated what sorry i'm a little i i think i get what joe's trying to say i think it's <laughs> inoculated <Good> like <laughs> inoculated like it's incubated. not like you're taking like a sample of something <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, just, I'm just imagining like, like a, a lab arm. coat it's like let me get let me get let me get a sample yeah. of this brain. Inoculated, in- yeah. Incolated, incolated. I think Incul- what he, he's, yeah. I think what he's saying that it's not necessarily related to the codependency as part of like a relationship dynamic. Got it. Just because he's it, murdering people doesn't mean <laughs> right. Like it's something that obviously I think Kilo comes off as like a highly paranoid person, but it's it could be tied to his. His upbringing as an assassin, yeah. but also because of his codependent tendencies, I think they kind of intertwine. So he's hypervigilant in the sense that he's afraid that someone will target his own back, but also yeah. will target someone that he cares about in yeah. their back. I mean, every time we get like a funny snippet when he like they're like, "Why are you so good at this?" It's like, "Yeah, I was like subjected to poison uh, and <laughs> like high voltage of electricity as a child, so like I'm immune." And it's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> Sir, excuse me. It's like, it's, yeah. So you... yeah, I just got taste as a kid. It's like, yeah, oh, that doesn't like, help. Oh, the, that doesn't help the answer. Uh, like, are, are you okay? <laughs> like emotionally, not physically. You're fine. Physically, <laughs> don't worry. They did a lot worse. It's like, yeah. uh, no, there's more. There's more. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> oh man, and 
stuff. So there's compulsions, anxieties, um, substance abuse, substance use disorder, um, which Kilo doesn't really have. But there's what is this? More of a joke, but does chocolate robots count as substance abuse? I guess maybe addiction. Oh, I was actually joking on that. I didn't even see that in the notes. I didn't know Joe, Joe put that. I thought I, that's just what I put. Oh, what is wow. that Joe and I are, on, to? are, are, are <laughs> that's the, that's the chocolate robot things that he likes. Oh, that's I what, mean... that's, that's why I, I, I honestly, I didn't see that note. I said that off the top of my head oh. and I looked over to see there's a note of that. So I'm glad Joe and I are on the same page with that one. Same wavelength. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, and then have they been a victim or is a victim of recent um, physical or recurrent physical or sexual abuse? So, for Kilo, it's a ton of physical abuse, specifically his yeah. family is just not good. Um, Stress-related medical illnesses, and finally, if they've remained in a primary relationship with a person who continues to um, recreationally use drugs for at least two years without seeking help. Mm, this isn't really applied to Kilawa specifically. Yeah, it. I mean, for all we know, we don't know if there's some weird thing with that family. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> for some reason, I thought when I first, before I watched the series um, and I saw like pictures of the Zoldic family, I was just like, man, are these like vampires? Yeah. <laughs> Get off <laughs> vampire vibes. Yeah. Like, I have a feeling like they drew out the silhouettes and then we're like, let's fill in the silhouette with something else. <laughs> like, yeah. So, this is going to joke. Maybe their substance abuse is like blood of their enemies, <laughs> but they're obviously not vampires. <laughs> not the Cullen family. <laughs> also, I saw that meme where it's like, and no, and no, even if they were human, right? Like, it's never okay to be dating your step, like, your adopted sibling. Like, that's fucking weird. Because, <laughs> like, like, the Cullens date openly, right? And they go to the same high school, and everyone knows they're all adopted. So, like, why? <laughs> yeah. In all honesty, I think there, there's more, there's a lot more issues to inlay with that, with the whole vampire and werewolf thing. I don't know. Like, maybe there's something... Because, like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of weird. But I guess in terms of the vampires, I mean, it's not like they can reproduce, right? I mean, they, yeah, they did. They can, yeah. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, that's right. But they, they got to keep uh, that stuff sealed out. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a few more sections if we want to cover them. Next would be okay. relationships. Okay. Um, so with regards to how often it shows up in relationships, some observable traits are, so this is, I think, specifically, I think, I don't know if this, I don't even think this means romantic. I think this just means in general, right? Yeah. Um, but like you, uh, so this might be, I don't know if I need a trigger warning, but this might, I mean, this whole section is probably a trigger warning for some people, um, and rightfully so. Um, but I'm going to list out a bunch of observable traits um so intense and of codependency so intense and unstable interpersonal relationships um inability to to tolerate being alone accompanied by frantic efforts to avoid being alone autophobia which fear of cars is that correct autophobia Uh, i uh autophobia what the hell it's like (laughs) maybe maybe it's automatically being afraid of automatic 
Fear, okay, uh, autophobia or monophobia makes you mm. extremely anxious when you're alone. So basically the fear of being alone. Uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. That, oh, that makes it like automatic. It's something that happens on its own. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, okay, so autophobia, chronic feelings of boredom and emptiness, uh, sub, sub, subordinating one's own needs to those of the person with whom one is involved, overwhelming desire for acceptance and affection, perfectionism, uh, over-controlling, external referencing, um, dishonesty and denial, manipulation, lack of trust, low self-worth, and victim mentality. So I think a lot of these describe Kilwa, except for probably the, the victim mentality. Um, I think that that's more Illumi, because doesn't he get, like, offended? Yeah, yeah. Illumi gets very self-righteous in the sense of, like, I, I everything I did has some sort of justification that is be right thing that i had to do when really he had a lot of other options <laughs> yeah honestly i i kind of find it i think of it the i was now i'm thinking about it, it seems like Illumi's that one child that's like you know it's like you two play nice and they just like do something like that's like give him give him several disorders and put a needle in his head and control him for years it's like i said to play nice sorry mom oh it's okay <laughs> it's okay no worries yeah it's, the old it's okay sibling. you just yeah, I think some parts like, oh, I'm the oldest, I know the best, I basically raised you sort of deal. Is there anything else? Oh, I did not scroll down. There was more. Um, codependent uh, Codependents often find themselves in relationships with people with BPD or narcissistic personality disorder. Um, codependency occurs at higher rates among people with ADHD, OCD, bipolar, substance use substance use disorder, autism spectrum disorder, personality disorders, traumatic brain injuries, psychosis, or dementia. Um, yeah. And then, so people with codependency are more likely to have these things um, that we just listed, but then they're often, and they often find themselves in relationships with people with, who um, are narcissists um, or are bipolar. Um I guess I shouldn't say are bipolar or are narcissists. They have those traits. bipolar disorder or narcissistic oh. personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, kind of a sadness. Yeah, and this is a, this is a, <laughs> it's a dark. This is a, this is like a self-reflective, yeah. guys. Yeah, get the hell, you guys. If this is, if this is like something that you know you're realizing through listening to this anime podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah definitely please, talk to somebody but yeah please, yeah please get the help um if possible that you need and access to the help and if you need help finding the resources um that you need we're we're not licensed or anything but like but if you need help it, yeah reach out just let us know we'll figure it out yeah. just talk to us or somebody us, but... trusted a trusted adult like bisky <laughs> yeah go go, <laughs> risk, go reach out to bisky here bisky's voice actress and get that going but no, uh, and this, I think the weird thing is that I think when we're saying this, like we're we're like don't like with this. It's like I'm looking at this and like, huh, is this is some of this me? I think some of this is me. This some of this might be me. It's like uh, I'm getting kind of getting a bit well, scared reading this. It's like also, oh god. Also, Pat, like just keep in mind that like reading a list of things as well, like and viewers as well, like talk to your doctors before you 
self-diagnose yourself with some of this stuff because i think self-diagnosis well, yeah, just don't harmful. self-diagnose yeah don't self-diagnose i mean this could be like a good calling card to go to a doctor yeah and but that's right. what i'm saying don't self-diagnose yeah. yourself be right, like hey, yeah right. i'm totally this xyz um because sometimes yeah. diagnosis can be more harmful than helpful because then we're fixated on something yeah. that's wrong and then, with and us your, versus your... something that like we can you know cope with exactly because it seems it's it's rather the opposite where it's like you're you're looking for a reason that you do this versus you're seeing if maybe this is a reason that you have this it's like a transitive property so you want to you don't want to do that so it's better not to really self-diagnose and i mean like she said we're not saying that this is like a diagnosis guide or anything i'm saying like if you see something like maybe think about and realize you know maybe maybe it's something i should look into or maybe you know it's something like the, these traits sound familiar to me or somebody I know. And that's all I'm saying is that I think that these to me are sounding like stuff like, Oh, maybe I have this, you know, maybe there's some, something going on with me, but to be honest, I think everybody sort of says that about themselves reading lists like this. It's like, Oh, I suffer from this. Maybe I have this as well, or maybe I am get, I have some of these, it's kind of a weird thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, the next section is about family. All right. I will, uh, you know, I'll cover that. So I will, uh, so one way in which codependency can occur or start with unhealthy family dynamics. Oh boy. Uh, one way is when kids are put in the role of taking care of the parents, AKA it's a dysfunctional family. The child learns to become attuned to the parents needs and feelings instead of the other way around. And it's definitely something that we've noticed a lot, a big theme in the show with Killua and even, uh, uh, a gyro, a gyro from the ng the ngl founder with his whole story of you know don't do anything to piss off dad i guess which is yeah. a very very sad thing indeed yeah uh, this is something i've seen around <laughs> i read it specifically and i think it is an actual legitimate term but parent parentification oh, so yeah. a lot of the times children's basically the responsibilities uh, the parents are kind of placed on the child for any variety of reasons but it is to- tied to like a lot of cases of codependency in family yeah it's, it's a bit sad it's a bit sad really and you know sometimes sometimes there isn't a choice sometimes you know you don't have a parent or you have to take on that role because of you know medical emergencies or something that happened and it's sometimes yeah. not it's not even something you can control yeah, I think this one specifically is talking more about parents. Um, it's like, a, I think I could be wrong, but I think this is more of a mindset type of vibe where um, a lot of times with p- kids, uh, families with older children, like with multiple children, like even two kids, but like where they put the emphasis, especially on like older daughters, they tend to put on the mm-hmm. oldest female presence in the family, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, what this is probably closer talking about. Not like, I mean, it could be considered like with medical exemptions and like stuff like that, where like someone has to take on a role because a parent was unable to. Um, but sometimes this can be just straight up like a parent's expectation of a child is to mm-hmm. essentially be the, the child rearer, right? right? Like a lot of people have like too many kids um and not and like by choice but like the expectation is that the oldest oldest one um you see this in the duggars like if you've ever watched mm-hmm. or like learned or kind of seen the the 25 kids and counting or whatever that oh, God. all yeah. all crazy like the the abuse that goes on in that family i can't even imagine but um 
like they they expect the oldest girls to basically be the mothers of the youngest children um because like we're all working together and like it's that guys but like really yeah. they they are forcing their oldest children to be the parent it's the parentification right sarah is that right is that what that is yeah yeah the parents so of a- the youngest yeah, and I think it's also that, and also what you mentioned to you, Patrick, a lot of the times if there's, like, even if it's not, like, really medical related, sometimes there's just some cases where parents aren't emotionally equipped to kind of take responsibility, and they their child is kind of forced to kind of grow up early and kind of take over that sense of role and, like, making sure things are done for themselves and for their own parents, so... It's kind of like a, a mixed bag of things. Yeah. Um, let's see. Anything else, Patrick, about it? Yeah, that's uh that's pretty sad. Uh so another another is the opposite where the parents do too much for the kids, aka a parent can nevertheless be codependent towards their own children if their if the caretaker or parent sacrifice reaches unhealthy or destructive levels. Generally, a parent who takes care of their own needs, emotional and physical, in a healthy way will be a better caretaker. Caretaker, whether whether it's a pre- code codependent parent, may be less effective or may even do harm to the child. So, kind of like almost like overparenting, I'm guessing is where this is this is going with. Um, like maybe I, like, yeah. I think it's the self sacrifice for, like it's. It's, like, it can be unhealthy or destructive. So, like, let's say a kid is, like, really talented in, like, gymnastics. And you devote your entire life as a parent to getting oh that child. Sports kids. Like, one of the sports kids, right? Like, I, I don't – you can – there's a healthy balance to this. But, like, mm-hmm. you move – you you quit your job to move your kid across the country to do X, Y, and Z. And you're so focused on your child that you can't you, – you don't have that – mentality to take care of yourself and like right. your body can suffer which means your child can suffer and your child can suffer in ways that you don't realize if you're you know if you're giving up everything and your child can notice that like hey my parent gave up everything for this and then it puts unwanted pressure on the kid and like it's like a whole thing I think that's maybe what they're maybe yeah uh, I think so I think it's definitely one of those things where I think with a lot um as people like grow and have children it's like the identity Mm -hmm. becomes from their own person to just a parent i know it's like especially women who become just a mom and that's like their entire identity it can that can happen so it's almost like the idealization Mm -hmm. of being the self-sacrificing parent to a point where they lose their sense of self and it I don't know. Sometimes kids pick up mm. on it. Sometimes they don't. Usually, I feel like they pick up on it much later when the kids get older and realize, like, hey, something's off here. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, why was... Yeah, like, exactly. Like, did, Mom, did you have friends? Like, did you... <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's like yeah. realizing that your parents didn't have friends, like, for a long time until yeah. they... Much later in life or something like that. Because mm-hmm. they're so focused on you. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes that can create unhealthy boundaries, right? Yeah. With parents, yeah, like, they can emotionally, not, yeah. Like, who are they going to talk to if you, mom and dad are right? It's not like helicopter, helicopter yeah. parents per se, but it's something akin to that where the parents' identity is almost intertwined with their kids. 
with their kids identity um, but more on the sense that the parent wants to like help in every aspect of their kid's life when reality is like they're you you're there to be their parent and support but you can't like be so involved that you lose your sense of self because that's not good for anyone involved definitely putting your 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 whole your whole self in there versus yeah it's very emotionally draining on yourself and it's Mm -hmm. like there could also breed resentment in a way if you know maybe the kid didn't live up to it and then it's like that Mm -hmm. whole oh Mm -hmm. god you know yeah exactly yeah but uh in both cases the kid may ignore and negate their own emotions due to having to match their parents in the case of taking care of their parents or being implicitly told what to feel by smothering helicopter parents. This inability to feel, understand, and trust one's own feelings is one of the major proximate causes of codependency. And it's kind of sad. Yeah, for sure. And it definitely, I guess, like tying it back to Hunter Hunter, I think Kilo would definitely be more of like the second example especially with him and alumi um and also kind of starting to see yeah him and alumi for sure i kind of see it with his own mom and definitely not his dad but i think alumi always seems like even though his brother seems more like the parent figure in his life i think and i want to talk about like how Kilo was a parent figure to another one of his siblings. No. Um, but I think that'd be a spoiler. Um, so a little bit, but like I, there, the, he had, there's a different, there's an interesting dynamic where Kilo was the protector and the, and the parent to somebody else down the line. Um, he has so many siblings. I feel like it could just, it could be any one of them. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> we'll, you know, you'll find out that part of it later down the line. Yeah, it seems kind of like they're they're like I think we talked about before. It seems like uh, their parents are pawning off, you know, brotherly responsibilities to certain parts of the family members. In that case, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. everyone except Maluki, because I mean, let's no face one, it, he's yeah, just no a big child. I wouldn't oh, trust him with a ham sandwich. Yeah. His mother is a really good example of that helicopter parent that like um, uh, that was smothering. Here and then got- yeah, that smothering parent. Um, I don't have we met his mother yet. I, I mean, yeah, yeah remember yeah. she was she was proud when when okay. Kilua like like disres- or tried to kill her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that that is that <laughs> that's that smothering, um, codependent. Like it's it's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> it's it's almost like a a a uh, Adam's family sort of thing, except without the whole loving uh, couple. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Adam's family's like weirdly healthy. Like not weirdly healthy, but like it's it's adorably healthy how like <laughs> how those relationships play out. Like <laughs> Yeah, honestly, Adam Sandler's probably the most wholesome wholesome family film I've ever seen. Like about a family that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of ironic. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I guess now is for a different perspective. Give us um, a new perspective, Sarah. Yeah. Another big reason for codependency and why it never made into the dsm it's because it's too broad and has too many contradictory uh definitions um to be something more rigorously rigorously defined researched and evaluated and treated for um so modern attempts to treat it more substantively have been done using the attachment theory model of human interaction so basically Codependency is a common outcome with people with specific combination of attachment styles, 
Um, are you guys familiar with that at all? Actually, I'm not. So not really either. Yeah. They, I think it's kind of relating to like how in mostly like interpersonal relationships it can be romantic it can be um platonic familiar uh, um but it's kind of going back to when you're an infant and um your it's like a nature versus nurture and how you were raised as an infant specifically and your attachment to your parent figure can basically it ties into how your your relationships and how you perceive like your attach your the permanence of your relationships between different people, whether they be your friends or other family members who aren't your parent or romantic relationships, how they go. So this is more like my own personal thing because I was like looking into this trying to understand my own perspective on things and how I navigate through different types of relationships Mm -hmm. but the three main ones um, are anxious let me double check on that so there's like a three major ones or four I guess all right so they're secure so secure is basically the healthiest where you have like a good sense of self as well as a good perception really of your relationships to others. Like you know how to communicate um, your boundaries. You also communicate your needs, hopefully. Um, And there's also avoidant. So that's the one where it seems like the most dismissive, like you're, you have a high distrust in people, high distrust in relationships. So you tend to, even though you, you do, eventually engage in relationships they ultimately end on your end or the other end because you seem too detached for various amounts of reasons um anxious is more i would see what you would kind of consider the more stereotypically codependent where it's like you can the people who have like anxious attachment styles are constantly like worrying about their person um either friend or significant other like where they are what are they doing like you're Mm. you're anxious about the state of relationship if you're not constantly with them like what is it it could make or break like maybe your fear of losing them um is so strong that you can't be it makes you so anxious to be away from them um you constantly have to have reassurance to know like oh how do you feel about me how do you feel about this how do you feel about us sort of thing yeah, it's it's hard, especially with people that, you know, that are, are naturally busy or have, like, busy jobs. It's hard to, like, you know, especially – and that's, I think that's the hardest thing with people mm-hmm. that, you know, are busy. I don't know if maybe, maybe – if, if you feel this way, but I, I feel like, you know, I'm always busy and I don't really have a lot of time I could dedicate to certain people. And I have to, like, uh, uh, crunch my – or sort of relegate my time. So, I like and, – and it's all about – I guess it's all about the communication aspect of relationships. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like I can't, like – promise i can hang out like multiple times a week but i can try at least one or maybe every other week you know it's it's just like a and it's like it's like it's not like i'm not interested in you or have interest like i'm just busy you know yeah um and then there's last one is fearful avoidant or disorganized so it's a combination of both anxious and avoidant attachments so it could be something where they crave affection but also want to avoid it at all costs so they're reluctant to vent close relationships, 
but at the same time they fear die, feel a need to be loved um at the same time so it's probably the most contradictory one of all mm. yeah so it's like a flip-flop so i think love in relationships is a hard is 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 definitely a hard thing oh yeah for sure <laughs> it's constant work <laughs> um yeah and so these can be overcome to move both of them towards a more secure attachment style through self-conscious work and often therapy uh, the most difficult part of this though is that there's often many attractive equilibria between people and unhealthy combinations that can result in both people being trapped in a series of bad relationships that they have to learn to overcome either with each other or after a breakup so this could be between romantic partners friends and even family uh, which is a discussion for another day so that is another thing um so how does this recontextualization affect your perception of Kilo's upbringings and his current relationship to Gon, his um, brother Lumi and his parents. So what do you guys think? I know we kind of covered it all a little bit earlier, but you guys had any more thoughts? He needs a lot of goddamn therapy. Yeah. The whole family <laughs> no does. Kidding. Gon does too, but like not, I think Kilo. <laughs> <laughs> Kilo for sure. <laughs> Yeah, especially that whole, you know, abused and tased and electrocuted thing. Yeah, and, like, the psychological torture that literal mind control, right? Like, overbearing yeah. is one thing. Yeah, it's one Literal thing. implantation of needles in this man's brain, or this boy's brain. Boy, child. This child's brain. Honestly, it's like they need a team of therapists to be able to fix the fix Killua because it's like you'll need, like, it's like a team of lawyers. He needs a team of therapists because, like, man... <laughs> Every aspect of his life needs a special specialist with it. Jesus. Jeez, but no, I think this has been pretty interesting and eye-opening. Like, I kind of already saw, like, the codependent um, tendencies that Kilo already had with Gone. Um, I think it's almost a staple within some shounen anime that there's... Not no, no, I don't think the love interest. I feel like the love interests kind of vary between like almost too distant to be like almost a avoidant relationship, but the t ones between either best friends or rivals tends to be more on the codependent side, which I find really interesting. Yeah, man, I'd stop. Yeah, like uh, I it gave me better insight on it for sure. I yeah. think uh. I think most of the stuff is kind of a lot of a no duh thing that we have, but it's like yeah. it's cool to like look deep into it and see, you know, reflecting on ourselves in ways in our own relationships, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool to look at it from this lens, right? Like from a well, like I'd say pseudo because we're we're not scientists. <laughs> I think like we know a lot. Like like Sarah, I thank you for breaking down the attachment styles because I've heard that before, but I've never really looked into it. Um, so like. Like if we could die, if we are diagnosing a fictional character, right? Because we're these, yeah. these characters are fictional, um, and not not anything real. Um, I I think would you guys say that Killua has like an uh, anxious? I, I think he's more fearful. 
Fearful. That's a good one. Avoidant. Okay. Yeah, because he kind of shows like the tendency to be want to be close to others, but also Mm -hmm. the fear of it. So I think that really shows like his beginning with Gone. He was like, I can't be friends with this guy. Fuck this guy. He's like, he's like, he's cool. He's cool. I'll I'll chill. But like, yeah. Like, but I don't see anything distance. close going on. Yeah, he's like afraid. Ultimately, like his decision to after after um, to follow Bisky's advice to ultimately leave Gon's side, I feel like shows his fear of like uh, being being so afraid of like what could possibly happen. Like he doesn't want to continue like their friendship. I feel like that's a very classic sign of fearful avoidance because I feel like that's more me personally. Um, especially more on the avoidance side of things where it is that desire to want to be close to people but for like a various amounts of reasons you rationalize that avoiding those things altogether would be better for yourself and for the other people in your life <laughs> which is not true <laughs> but no, Kayla doesn't we, have we, that we, sense we lo- of we love you Sarah we need you we need to hang out and do things yeah <laughs> So, like, Kilo doesn't have that sense of self-awareness yet. He's also yeah. 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, also 12 years old and dealing with a lot of stuff. We're putting a lot of, like, adult emotions on this yeah. child. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think, honestly, I think he has a lot, a lot of stuff to deal with where it's, like, to diagnose him, it just be, like, help in, gi- in giant bold letters yeah, on he, a piece of paper. It's kind of, he has other things to worry about at the moment. Like, part like, of his, aunt. like... Part of, yeah, part of, I think part of, yeah, Killer Ants is one of them. I think part of his journey for help is being away from his family, like, genuinely. like Oh, for sure. To, like, the distance is helping. A <laughs> little bit, yeah. Part of the healing process from no therapy is... <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, be, being in a, on a giant mountain all alone with a door and a giant killer guard, yeah. it's like... With, yeah. like Two people no. who are really, or one person at least, genuinely, or at least the butlers are like, and and a canary, like genuinely trying to help him out and like mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. And it helps that probably sweet. doesn't have that needle in his brain anymore. Yeah, that too. <laughs> a <little laughs> literal needle. Like I know it's a literal needle. That's like a metaphorical needle, but like it's also a literal needle in this sense. <laughs> yeah, no, Crazy. it is a literal, literal it's a needle. Literal it's, mind yeah. control needle. So with covered in end. <laughs> little bit so but yeah no i thought it was really insightful and uh hopefully i mean hopefully it helped us reflect on our own our own lives as well and seeing hey maybe you know we have these things because you know i never really thought of codependence in that way before then we talked like in this way you know Mm -hmm. yeah like self-sacrificing always isn't like being a martyr-like and martyrdom isn't necessarily a good thing right Right. like right it's 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 interesting because like we don't think about it that way a lot of times like uh, especially if especially if you grew up in the church especially if you grew up in catholic uh, or christian yeah you always you always strive to be christ like they want you to be martyr yeah they want you to be a martyr right Right. um it's yeah yeah and it's interesting because it's also there's also like i think less religious tie but more like i guess Mm -hmm. specifically american but i also feel like it's common in other parts of the world too Mm -hmm. the idea of like romanticizing independence and being like independent with a capital i meaning that you aren't attached to anyone and that makes you like you pick yourself up by the bootstrap yeah Yeah, you're cool and badass you don't need anyone i need anyone blah blah blah. but that's Mm -hmm. not healthy either yeah (laughs) you can't avoid people yeah exactly like if you think you did this all on your own or anyone 
one did anything all on their own, you're most likely wrong. Because, like, yeah. no one's ever – like, it takes a village is also, like, a very right. valid saying, right? Right. So. so it's, like, you listeners out there, just, like, connect with your people <laughs> and – but also realize, like, you got to focus on yourself, too. Yeah. There's a balance. You can focus yeah. on yourself while caring about others. They're not yeah. mutually exclusive. And, like, temper your expectations, right? Like, just because you self-sacrifice doesn't mean, like, it's a requirement for the people around you to self-sacrifice. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You have to be reasonable here. Just because you went yeah. through trauma doesn't mean people have to as well. Yeah. It's like, that's what well, we I mean, like, yeah. to. Again, again, we are not therapy. Again, we are yeah. not like yeah, we're not, ther- we're not Google registered things. therapists. We are Googlers. <laughs> if anything, I'll make things worse for you. So don't ask. Yeah. Uh, but please talk to a registered therapist. And if you need help, please. We can talk to you, but yeah, we yeah. we. I mean, can yeah, pro- like, yeah. I mean, like we can probably try to you know, we try, but like we got. We Google. make you feel better. Yeah. I mean, we can help you relate. I yeah. I leave it this way. We can commiserate. Like I I like it because like that we could talk and relate to people, but I can't solve your problems. Yeah, and, and that's probably the best thing that we can do. Yeah, we can listen. We can hang out. Yeah, we, we've all been through trauma of different sorts, so we definitely could help out. We're the we're the trauma team, except not registered doctors either. So I'm not for legal we're also purposes. Also, not the trauma team. We are. Yeah, we're, we're not going to replace your arm. Anime please, please don't. Uh, yeah. Please don't come to us with your severed arms and ask to reattach it. I can't. Yeah, we can't do help that. You. <laughs> I can't. I can maybe set you up. Set you up with some some stick action. Get you some figs growing on your arms, or whatever. But you know, I wouldn't recommend that. And I'm not a registered doctor, so please don't. Yeah, also, don't go not to a lawyer. With your wounds or a lawyer. We we none of us work in in fields that require help. <laughs> we can't help you. Yeah, <laughs> please don't. Uh, um, yeah. Anyway. I mean, anyway. Yeah. So yeah. that disclaimer aside, um, thank you for. Li- oh wait, uh, do we yeah. have to do anything else? What else is else? No, that's it. That's it. Oh wow, good job, guys. Oh, we did it. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Spirit Hunters. Um, please hit us up with questions, requests, or just to chat at our Facebook or Twitter at Spirit Hunter Pod. Heads up, check us out on patreoncom Pod and join our patron-only Discord where we'll be discussing the shit at a hunter, UU, and much more. Um, speaking of Discord, if you want in but you don't have the funds, you can help us out by giving us a written review on Apple Podcasts. Send us the link and your Discord username and enough evidence to connect them both and we got you. Each review gets a surface to tens or hundreds more people. Um, yeah, I, I swear I'll turn on my Discord uh, <laughs> notification. <laughs> Please eventually. do. So you can, you can maybe maybe we can make it to make it to my, my, 20, my 31st. Yeah, 31st birthday. Yeah, so I know when uh, birthdays happen and like events, you're like, hey, we're inviting you because you don't have Facebook either. So like, I'll give yeah. you guys my number too. Yeah, Who else wants definitely my text, number? Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just, just shout it on the show. I imagine yeah. nothing would go wrong. So finally, today's intro and outro were made by Rifty Beat and Lightest Talion, respectively. Check them out on YouTube. And big shout out to our editor, Tommy. Thanks to him, the rest of us can focus more on doing research and all things Higashi. See you guys on the other side. <laughs> <laughs>